This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. At the Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list, making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Use the promo code TURN when you check out at vicegolf.com to get free shipping. That's promo code TURN. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello and welcome to the beginning of the fall swing of At The Turn. This is our first, well, I guess, post-Ryder Cup pod. A lot of good stuff to get to. Nick, are you excited? Uh, um, I am. The, the Ryder Cup wounds have healed. Um, we've got Tiger and Phil. It's finally November, which we've been waiting for November since July, supposedly. So uh, we've got this big <laughs> Tiger-Phil match um, and some, some interesting topics today. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of weird new rules coming in 2019. We're going to get to that later in the podcast and how the mad scientist is taking full advantage of those, which I'm not really surprised of. Um, but let's start with Tiger Phil. How much did the Ryder Cup take the juice out of this for you? I personally, I'm kind of over this. I know it's coming in a couple of weeks. We're recording this beginning of November. I just... It's just a couple of old men out there, Nick. I'm not. I'm not really too interested. There's not. There's nothing really on the line besides a bunch of money for two guys who were already worth the north of five hundred million dollars. I just. I just don't really care. Yeah. Um, when this Tiger Phil match came out, like I could not have been more excited. Like it was like, oh my god, this is incredible. I'm gonna cancel all my events that day. Like it doesn't matter. Like this is gonna be the best four hours of television. Now, like they, Tiger got his win, and it's funny because I think that the fact that Tiger won and Phil has been so bad, like literally, the tournament that Tiger won, Phil finished dead lasting. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of, so now we already have the excitement of Tiger having a win. Phil has just been god awful. He he didn't show up to the Ryder Cup. Um, 
both of their performances at the Ryder Cup were so disappointing and just so like not inspiring. Like I feel like whoever wins this tournament or this this match is going to shoot like seventy five, and just whoever makes fewer double bogeys is going to have the better chance to uh, capitalize on the nine million dollar purse. Um, I've just lost so much interest since this has been dragged out since July. And it, first of all, it's not a match, Nick. It's the match. How much time did they spend coming up with that title for this stupid thing? The match? <laughs> That's absolutely ridiculous. Going back to the Ryder Cup performances, even though they both had bad records, I think they both went about it in different ways. Like, I don't, I don't think Tiger necessarily played that bad. Uh, I just think that he ran into Mollywood, um, the <sighs> best Ryder Cup pair we've ever seen. And oh Phil... Phil did play absolutely terrible, and it was fitting that the Ryder Cup officially ended with him putting one putting one in the water off the tee on a par three, taking the hat off right away, and then shaking Molinari's hand. It was, yeah, fitting, but uh, disappointing, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think Tiger played that great either. I mean, I know that they went and ran into this team that, that didn't lose, but I don't know. I, I saw Tiger taking a lot of hacks out of some deep rough that week. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I never felt like, you know, Tiger was just getting beat by an unstoppable force. I mean, they were unstoppable, but I, I think that, um, I don't know. I'm, I've lost way more interest in this event than, than I ever thought possible, which is sad. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to shell out the 20 bucks to, to watch it. I haven't made that decision yet. So um, I don't know. It's sad. It's, I'm sad that I'm not more interested. You're really still point. debating whether or not you're going to pay for it? Because even though I don't care and I'm not interested, I'm most certainly still going to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, if if there's – I'm willing to pay for it, but I'm, I'm not willing to pay for it and, like, set aside any kind of other reasonable obligation. <laughs> sure. You know, like, like if, if there's anything else it, going on. Yeah, exactly. If, like, somebody asked me to, to – be somewhere that day i'm not gonna be like well you know it's it's the match I, I really can't do it like when this came out i was like don't call me don't text me don't ask me anything like i'm not available that day and now i'm just like yeah if there's something going on i guess i can't watch the match <laughs> so funny the match uh <laughs> is there any chance that this is actually fun like can you yeah, imagine a no, scenario 100 chance it's actually fun i mean it's still at the end of the day it's tiger and phil for $9 million, they're going to be mic'd up. They're going to be making side bets. The course is going to be set up easy. They're going to be making birdies. They're going to be going for, um, you know, greens and two on par fives. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's not going to be any laying up. It's just going to be, you know, go big or go home. I mean, it's definitely, there's still a lot of appeal, which is why it's a big deal. It's just, I just think a bunch of circumstances since between the time this was announced and when the time it's going to happen have, done nothing but hurt the appeal but i mean there's definitely a ton of appeal it's still it's still tiger and phil i mean i don't care how old they are it's still tiger and phil it's still appealing it is the match uh we'll have to uh do a pod after it if we end up watching it to to break it down if yeah i'm I'm, you know look and the timing is very interesting because it's gonna happen smack in the middle of football season it's on Black Friday, so the amount of football that's going to be uh, my look. My college football team could be playing a very significant football game on that day, so I, I'm going to have to really so, prioritize. Not to get off subject, but I saw sure. that, I saw that the Cougs are top ten in the country right now. 
Look, <laughs> by the time this is posted, they might not be anymore. <laughs> <laughs> by the time you're listening, the Cougs may have fallen out of the top 25. But for this moment, as of 8.53 a.m. Pacific on November 3rd, the Cougs are number eight in the college football playoff oh, ranking. Oh, goodness. And if things break their way, they could be heading to the college football playoff. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but so. it's fun to dream. That would be the dark horse of all dark horses. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it would. But I guess to circle back to the match, point being, there's going to be a lot of big college football games. Basketball season is underway. Um, I don't really know if Tiger, Phil, and the match is going to get people excited. But look, we're a golf podcast. We're going we're gonna to have to at least see what happened and uh, take a peek and break it down afterwards. Yeah, you know that it's going up against Black Friday actually I think might help it because you get your, you know, your families together for Thanksgiving. Then like half the family wants to shop, half the family wants to stay home. Um, so the people that stay home, if they have a common interest in golf, you know, maybe they'll just flip the match on and, uh, you know, uh, the other half shop. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think that's enough match talk. We're talking about rankings, Joe, with the Cougs. Yeah. I think it's a good time to head into the official world golf rankings. Um since the last time we've recorded, there's been about five different world number ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> currently, it's Brooks Kepka. Um, he's Brooks Kepka, the, the number one golfer in the world. Uh, what is how does that sound to you? It sounds right. I mean, who sure who's 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 been the best player the last 20 months on the PGA Tour? It's been Brooks just, Kepka, just, Justin Thomas. <laughs> oh, get out of here. All right. Come on. That's the answer to that question. Brooks has won three majors. Right. It's, but it's that doesn't make you the best most consistent player on the PGA tour the last three years. It means you you've won more of the biggest events than than anybody else by two. Nick, you play <laughs> you play to win the games. Brooks Kepka Brooks Kepka wins the biggest events. Absolutely. I'm not saying he doesn't. You just, you just, it, it doesn't sound right that he's number one in the world to you. Like if, if I wasn't looking at the world golf rankings in front of me right now and you said, who's had the best last two years on the PGA Tour, I'd say Justin Thomas. Well, I would say you have to do your homework then. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I get it. Thomas is up there as well. Justin Rose, I think, is number two in the world right now. But yeah, Brooks Kepka being number one in the world sounds right to me. He has ascended Dustin Johnson as top bro on the PGA Tour. Dustin Johnson, I think, is one. <laughs> Dustin Johnson, I think, has won 18 PGA Tour events, one major. I think Brooks Kepler has won five PGA Tour events, <laughs> three majors. I would rather have Brooks's resume than Dustin Johnson's. Majors are what count. He's won back-to-back -back U.S. Opens. That's something Tiger Woods has never done. If you've done something to majors, Tiger Woods has never done. You're already getting into legend status. Brooks yeah, I'm Kepka. Not, I'm not gonna sit here and take anything away from Brooks Kepka. I'm I'm. I'm not going to do that. That's not my stance. I'm not saying he's not okay. a, a great golfer. What are you um, saying I then? I'm, I'm saying that there is a revolving door of world number ones, Joe. Uh, Justin Rose recently ascended to world number one for the first time. Brooks Kepka, world number one for the first time. Earlier this season, Justin Thomas was world number one for the first time. Dustin Johnson, was it his first time world number one when he was there earlier this season? I so Justin Johnson, percent sure if that was his first time or not. But while we're talking about world number one virginities, Joe, I made a list of guys in the top fifteen of the, in the world who have never been world number one, okay. and I want you to let me know who you think will be the next first time world number one. You've got Bryson DeChambeau, 
Francisco Molinari, John Rahm, Ricky Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood, Xander Schauffele, and Tony Finau. All those guys in the top 15, all those guys, I believe, have never been world number one. John Rahm is my answer. Yeah, that, that was my that was my immediate reaction. Um, he's at number eight. That list, uh, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, was in order of where they're currently ranked. So he's... Ah. <laughs> Wait, what he's, is Bryson DeChambeau ranked right now? Sixth. What? No way! I know. He seems like he should be way higher, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he's that high. That is very impressive. I suppose he did win two playoff tour events, and that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and I think... Based on the green arrow next to his name that says he recently went up in the rankings, he's probably played recently, which is an advantage over pretty much everybody else in the top 10. True. Uh, he's the kind of guy who would be playing in October just to help his world ranking. No doubt. I mean, Which I love. Which and, I love. And we're going to get to Bryson a lot more later in the podcast, so I want to I pivot to John Rahm. I think, I think it's him or Tommy Fleetwood because they have shown a proclivity for uh, performing very well in big events, John Rahm has won multiple times. Um, there really is just, and it's, it's such a cliche. I hate when golf announcers say this, but it's very, very true. John Rahm really has no deficiencies in his game other than maybe um, being a little too too fiery on the golf course. Sometimes he loses his cool and uh, he can't rebound from a mistake. But look, the dude made a 90-foot eagle putt to win his first PGA <laughs> Tour event. He hits the ball a mile uh, he's got a really good wedge game. There's really nothing he does wrong. He's he, he's won a lot. And I think he's only still like 23 years old. So yeah. I would be very surprised if John Rahm's not number one in the world in the next, I don't know, two, three years. I think he'll sneak a major, a major in there as well. Well, yeah, no, I definitely think he's going to win a major. Um, for the sake of argument, I'm going to argue for my boy Bryson. Um, Cat. Yeah, he's he's been on such an upswing. He did win those two playoff events. He's number six. He's so dialed into being dialed in that um, I just like his chances. Like I said, he's the kind of guy who will play tw- every weekend of the year just to just to you know improve his rating. To he's already probably focused on twenty twenty Ryder Cup uh, points, like. All that stuff. Um, these new rules, I'm sure he'll find a way to, to give them like a two-stroke advantage for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Nick. I uh, Okay, we have to save it. I want to talk about this so bad. Yeah. I, I, okay. Um, the only other thing I'm yeah, just going to add on this before we wrap this up. Uh, Ricky Fowler's on this list. He's number nine. <sighs> I, we're kind of tired of we're kind of tired of like touting Ricky to to no avail. Uh, it would be really fun to see him, but I, I think maybe he's too nice. I hope he proves me wrong. And then Tommy Fleetwood, God, I would hate to see him as world number one after what? watching that after watching that Ryder Cup. The last thing I want is Tommy Fleetwood at the top of my official world golf rankings. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't disagree more. I ah. I I love Sir Tommy just, Fleetwood. Ah. Sir okay. Tommy and Ricky, Ricky, I think at this point is quickly becoming this generation's Jim Furyk. Um, if, if, if that analogy makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's beloved by everybody. He makes a lot of cash. He's always in the top 10, very consistent. He wins enough to stay relevant, but he's never going to be a world number one. I, yeah, think I don't that's think the he path scares anybody. Yeah. No, he doesn't. As always, At The Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice Golf has won back-to-back gold medals on Golf, Golf Digest annual hot list. The balls are just as good as Pro V1s. They are about half the price. 
You order them on vicegolf.com. You don't have to walk into a store that's charging you an upcharge from what they paid. You just buy them direct from the manufacturer. You go to vicegolf.com. You stock up on your golf balls for the year. They're fantastic golf balls. According to Golf Digest, some of the best in the world. You use promo code TURN. Not only that, you get free shipping. Type in promo code TURN, T-U-R-N. Get your fantastic quality Vice Golf Balls with free shipping anywhere in the United States. ViceGolf.com, promo code TURN. Joe, one of At The Turn's biggest and best fans, my good friend Justin Smoot, recently got engaged. Oh, way to go, Smoot. So congratulations to Smoot. He called me during the Ryder Cup and nice. uh, was like, bro, the U.S. is getting their ass whooped, but uh, I got engaged. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're all happy for Smoot. And he's uh, talking about planning a bachelor party. Uh, he asked me for some advice. And I'm like, well, this is obviously recency bias. But like, what if you did like a, a Ryder Cup style bachelor party golf weekend where you get all your buddies you put two teams you play a couple different courses you know you add up all the points you just have a good time with it he's like yeah i love that idea so i've never actually gone on a golf buddy weekend like trip other than going home to play in the corner club open which is different because you know my family lives there so Uh i wanted i know you have before i know you've gone to haven't you gone to pinehurst you've gone to bandon you've done all sorts of stuff like that you did an oregon trip with some friends i think so if you're in this situation and you, you know, there's a bachelor party potentially revolving around a golf weekend, how would you do it? Well, uh, I think based on experience, and I've probably done, I've done a couple of these with my buddies, and I've done one with my dad and brother at Bandon, and then I went to Central Oregon and then Central Washington um, golf resort areas with a few buddies. My number one tip. Everyone has to bring cash. No, no Venmo, no checks. I know it's inconvenient. People don't like going to the bank. Bring cash because it makes things a lot easier and it's a lot more fun to be able to just hand each other money as opposed to actually doing Venmo and checks. Now, for all the, I, for all the side bets, you're saying for for all the side bets because you have to have something on the line for this sort of trip. I would say that first of all. Second of all, make sure that you're giving everyone a chance to have their input. Don't let one person sort of overrule and have them decide all the games and all the bets for everybody. It's important for everyone to feel like they have their input. And I'll tell you why. So the most recent trip I had to Suncadia, it was me and two of my good golf buddies, uh, Corbin and Doug. Doug, sorry. Well, actually, Doug Doug never listens to this, so I'm going to say this. Doug is the Throw worst. The yeah, we're 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 all pretty much the same skill level. You know, I'm I'm at about a five. Corbin usually plays to a two. Doug's probably more like a seven eight, and that and that's pretty much where we are. So Doug actually was winning the weekend, but we were playing skins. So we played thirty six holes, and there was something like four skins left in the line, and they had a pitch and putt course. After we finished our thirty six, we're like, oh, we'll go decide the skins at this pitch and putt course. And each hole was like 40 yards, right? None of us made a birdie. We played the fifth hole. We played the sixth hole. Eventually we get to, there's 11 skins on the line. So this turns from deciding the tiebreaker to this will decide the entire weekend, this pitch and putt course. We eventually get, I think it was 11 or 12 skins were on the line. I have a four-foot par putt 
for like i don't know 90 dollars, which <laughs> was was a lot i mean we're only playing five bucks a skin and we got to eventually 90 dollars. and i made the putt and i won the weekend and doug <laughs> as we were driving home like two hours into the drive doug just calls me and he tells me how mad he is at the whole weekend <laughs> because skins are stupid and so basically the point of that story is Doug played the best of the three of us, but I ended up winning the money because of the format we played. So make sure everyone is agreeing of the format prior to the weekend actually commencing. Now, yeah, as, as typically the highest handicapper with among any golfer I ever play with, I agree. Skins are stupid. <laughs> sure. And there's plenty of different games that you can play to sort of level the playing field. Using handicaps is a really easy way to do it. Um, you know, playing a couple balls. There's there's all kinds of games out there, but make sure everyone agrees on the games. Now, the other thing I would recommend is if you can play 36 holes one of the days that you're there. Now, unless you're playing an off-season, like now, it'd be really tough to play 36 holes because the actual, you know, amount of time the sun is out is quite short. But the banded trip that I played with my dad and my brother. We got down there the night before, and we played 36. In one day, we played Bandit and Pacific Dunes, and then we drove home. It was a pretty insane trip to play that much golf in that short span of time, but it was also really fun. We got the perfect Bandit day, where in the morning, it was perfect. There was no wind. It was sunny. Bandon Dunes, picturesque golf. We had a four caddy, so he didn't carry our sticks, but he told us, hit it over here, put it there, definitely don't miss left. And it was an incredible experience. We go to Pacific Dunes, which is, I think, probably the hardest golf course on the property. Um, and we play two holes. It's picturesque. It's scenic. Then the third hole comes, and all of a sudden, like, you know, the movie Independence Day, like when the spaceship comes <laughs> and everything is clouded over and dark. That's literally what it was like. The clouds come, our hats get blown off. The wind starts whipping 30 miles an hour. It was the toughest conditions I've ever played in. So point is, it was really cool to experience all of that in one day. So I recommend that as well on a buddy's golf trip. Am I helping Nick? Am I giving people any yeah, good no, advice? This, this is great. This is awesome. Um, so what about so like since this idea came up during the Ryder Cup and we're like yeah we could do some sort of Ryder Cup thing, um, do you have to does everybody have to be able to play their own ball like you couldn't do like alternate shot is that kind of like that take away if, if you do a, a funky format where you're not just playing your own score because you can't like leave the weekend and say like I shot these scores yeah um, I always have a tough time not playing my own ball because yeah I think it would be a tough ask to fight a lot. Like, five guys going to new Orleans and then they're just playing a scramble with some guy they never met before. Yeah. That's the thing. If, if it's a golf course that like, if it was the U of I golf course that we've played a bunch, I would have no problem doing that because I've played it a bunch of times, but if it's a golf course I've never played before, I want to get sort of an idea of what it's like. I want to play my own golf ball. Um, I, I would really have a tough time doing a scramble because I want to, I want to, I I want to post a score. I want to be able to play a rerun of golf, which is why best ball is a really good format. Now, yeah. um, a fun game to play can be when you basically lose a hole, your opponent gets to tell you, you don't, you don't get to use that club anymore. So basically like you lose the hole. He's like, okay, no more pitching wedge. And then like, no more driver. 
and that can be a really fun way to play. So okay. there's a lot of fun stuff out there, but I love your Ryder Cup idea. Um, how many how many guys are going? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I talked to I talked to Smoot like within a week of when he even got engaged. So it was just kind of okay. like just kind of thinking out loud, like you know, it would be fun a bachelor party with golf, and you know, so so yeah, it's it's still in the early stages. Well, shout out to Smoot. He was definitely Smoot, he might be a he might be a future guest on this podcast. By the oh, way, my... he, he's a teaching pro and uh, he's itching for some at the turn time. I tell you, Smoot was the MVP of the bus ride from the hotel to, to your <laughs> wedding venue. Um, put in a lot of good work with Lacey. So yeah, Smoot, Smoot is be- beloved in this household. Congratulations <laughs> to the Smoots. Couldn't be happier for him. That's, that's that's wonderful news. Good stuff. Okay. Do we get to the rules? I'm very excited to talk about this. Let's do some rules, Joe. I can't wait. Okay. So there are a bunch of new rules that are designed to modernize the game of golf. It is a combination with the RNA and the USGA. So what we want to do is there are the 20 most important changes to the rules of golf. We're going to do these in rapid fire fashion for the most part, but there are some that we want to break down more. Yeah. Say that's accurate. So, should we, should, go through the list. I got the, you got the list. What do you want to do? I, I got the list. Okay. You, you just go through them and then uh, we'll have, we'll have our reaction if there is one. So uh, why don't we do it this way, Nick? Why don't, why don't I rip? I'll read the rule. I'll give you a chance to say, stop. If you want to actually talk about it, otherwise I'll move on to the next rule. All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Number one, search time has been reduced from five minutes to three minutes when looking for a lost ball. Yep. Um, I have an opinion on this one. Ah, I think okay. that's great. You all you've all searched for a ball, and after like after one or two minutes, you know for a fact you either either found it or you're not gonna find it. Like those extra two minutes are really for your ego more than anything else. So you know, you usually know when it's left the club if you're gonna find it or not. I mean, I I've lost a lot of <laughs> balls in my day, Joe. I have a pretty good idea when I'm gonna find a ball when I'm not. So you know, upon contact, whether or not that ball's gonna <laughs> yeah, be found. Like, well, I've seen that ball for the last time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Rule rule number two: ball moved during search. You can replace it with no penalty. It was stupid that there ever was a penalty if there's a ball wedged under a foot of grass that you accidentally ca- like. Whoever's calling that penalty on themselves and just a casual round is better man than I. (laughs) Rule number three, embedded ball, free relief anywhere through the course. First of all, I thought this was already a rule. So you're saying if there was an embedded ball in the fairway in the middle of, I don't know, August after a rainy day, I couldn't pick that ball up without penalty? That's insane. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) Like, whoever is calling these penalties on themselves... Like that's when I look at this list, I'm like, if I'm playing by myself on a, on a Tuesday morning, like you said in August, like, am I? How many of these am I actually calling on myself? Zero so far. Zero so far. <laughs> uh, number four, measuring a drop, you can use the longest club. So when you have a lateral hazard, um, you can use the longest club in your bag. Except the putter, Adam Scott, you're not going to get to use your broom to Was measure that- the drop. Was that not a rule? Because like people would always use their driver. Like on the tour, you'd see them pull their driver out of their bag and measure. So I'm confused why they're clarifying this. What this was the may- rule before? So this may be the exclusion of the putter. I think maybe the new aspect okay. of the rule. Okay. Um, so uh, number five. This one's really interesting to me. When taking a drop, you now are supposed to drop from your knee 
rather than your shoulder. So, you know, like when you see people drop, they're up at shoulder level and they just drop the ball. Now Joe, you're supposed the, to drop from the knee. The listeners cannot see your you holding your arm out of shoulder. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I'm doing it for your benefit only. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, it's dumb, right? Yeah, this is this is one of the ones that's getting a lot of publicity as like a, a major game changer. Because essentially, if you're dropping from your knee, what are you, like 18 inches, a couple feet? Um it's more like placing it and you can pick out your spot and your lie is extremely important um, if you're somebody who can strike the ball the way they want to. So um, this is this is kind of a big one, I suppose. This strikes me as one where, uh, going, going back to our boy Bryson, like he's in the lab figuring out the best technique for dropping his ball to get hit the most improved he's, lie. He's practicing his, he's practicing his drop on, on every single kind of surface. He's probably got fans like wind, like simulating wind direction, dropping his <laughs> ball different ways. No, I love it. No doubt. Uh, number six, taking stance on wrong green is not permitted. Not permitted. So I suppose if, uh, you know, Nick, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you hit your ball on the wrong green, I don't think you're allowed to uh, line up with your four iron and take a whack at it. <laughs> I have done that. The course I play, there's uh, the last hole is a long par five. And about where my landing spot would be to the left of that, which I'm a lefty and I have a slice, there's a green for like the fourth hole. And uh, <laughs> there's been a time or two when my ball has landed on the green. But yeah, I just move it down um, off the green anyways. Like I know you're allowed to, you were allowed to hit it off the green, but like, what am I going to take like a 12 <laughs> inch divot off of a green? To, to, yeah, that's no, good. I'm glad they cleared that up. So you get do you get free relief then from that green? Yes, yes, you you do. Okay. Which is which is what it should be because you shouldn't yeah. be taking a divot from a green anyway. For goodness sakes, no, it's essentially a vandalism. So they were allowing <laughs> they were allowing vandalism. Number seven, ball unintentionally hits player or equipment. No penalty. So there was a penalty before this rule. That seems kind of crazy. Yeah, there was. I think it was a two stroke penalty too. And I love how they they say unintentionally like if you did that on purpose <laughs> it's still a penalty like bob i know you did it on purpose take two strokes you can't prove intent no i don't i don't know i love that rule like that's gonna that's definitely gonna cause some fights with some bros in the golf course like you did that on purpose well as we move along i think some of these rules will actually cause fights because people won't know some of these new rules number eight double hit no penalty now only counts as one stroke. So first of all, the people who are at risk of double hitting a golf ball were never calling a penalty on themselves to begin with. So this may make some impact in tournaments, but it certainly won't yeah. in weekend play. That's exactly my first reaction because I was like, gosh, I've, I've double hit it before, but like, <laughs> I'm certainly if I was like playing match play with somebody, I'd be like, you won this hole, but I wouldn't be, I, I'd give my, I'd still give myself a seven instead of an eight. <laughs> so number nine, the language here is very interesting. Pay attention to the word they use here. Touching sand in bunker incidentally is permitted, not accidentally, incidentally. So my interpretation of that, Nick, is when you are taking back the club when striking a bunker shot, if you incidentally hit some sand, in other words, if it doesn't make a difference to the shot itself, if you're not learning any information about the sand whilst striking your bunker shot, I think that is permitted. Is that how you interpret that? 
I think so. I think one thing I also saw is like if you're climbing into the bunker and like you're about to fall over because it's a steep bunker and you like use your club to support yourself up, that's perfectly fine too. God, that would have been illegal. Golf is really yeah. dumb, man. <laughs> uh, number 10. Loose impediments can be removed anywhere, including hazards. So if you have a big rock in your way inside of a hazard, you can chuck it into the pond and there's no penalty. Again, Joe, that was a, that was a penalty before. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> here is a wonderful rule for a lot of folks out there. It'll save time, make people more happy. Dropping a ball out of a bunker, two penalty strokes. So you if think you're... people are going to, to to Phil Mickelson this and do it on purpose? How do you mean? Well, like you think that you you just see your ball in a bunker and it's kind of buried, and you're like, I'm just going to take a two stroke penalty oh. next to the stream here <laughs> and 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 drop from the fringe. I mean, look, I think that there are definitely situations where you can take advantage of this. Like, if you're in, I don't know, if if you're in a match play situation and say you're in a bunker in two and you have, you know, water behind you and you're at risk of blowing up, you just take it out of the bunker, you're hitting your fifth shot and you're going to make an easy bogey and win the hole. There are definitely situations where it would behoove you to be a Phil Nicholson and take advantage of the rules <laughs> and uh, take your penalty strokes. Interesting. Yeah, I don't see that one. I don't know. I see it differently. I, 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 a two-stroke penalty to a golfer is not something I would ever think you want. As somebody, again, who's taken several, I've never been like, that was a good two-stroke penalty. Well, no, but if, if I, I'm not saying who... I, I'm not saying I'm going to get out of the bunker and get it close. I'm not saying it would never help me. You know what I mean? But I'm certainly going to give it a whack. <laughs> Look, this this could have helped us on uh, number seventeen last year, the Corner Club Open. Don't even, we, Joe. Too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> we that, take it too that rule could have saved us nine hundred dollars. Joe, thanks for reminding me. It literally would have. Um, Twelve. This one's kind of weird. Water hazards now called penalty areas. I love this one. Oh, you do? Please elaborate. Well, I have, I'm just kidding. I had this. Oh. This makes no sense. This is a waste of ink. <laughs> <laughs> number thirteen. Touching ground and penalty area, no penalty. So if you grounded your club in a hazard, that's that's another penalty. Whoops. Now it is not. You can take practice swings inside of a hazard. Yeah, I, I think that's I don't know. That, I don't know. That that's a that's one of those like all these other ones we've been saying, like we would never call these penalties, but that was actually a big that's that'll actually be a big change for for all the golfers, not just the golfers on TV. Well, what's going to be so fun about these rules, and there's a couple more especially that people are going to try to use. Like when people get out in March and April, people who read these rules are going to be doing some weird stuff, and their buddies <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? You're not allowed to do that. So people need to bring these rules with them starting in 2019. There's going to be a lot of fights on the golf course, I think. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> um, these next two were kind of related. Well, they're very related. Number 14, ball moves on green after being marked. You can replace it with no penalty. That was a dumb rule. I'm glad they fixed that. Another dumb one here. Ball accidentally moved on putting green. You can replace it with no penalty. Yeah, I don't know why that was ever the golfer's fault, why like a gust of wind actually blows your ball and you're penalized a stroke for it. Right. And now, if I'm reading number 15 correctly, ball accidentally moved on putting green replaced no penalty so like if i'm lining if i'm standing behind my putt and i'm kind of like lining it up and like you know waggling or whatever i'm doing and i like nudge my ball and it like whatever clearly accidentally that's that's not a stroke anymore 
That's not a stroke anymore, which That's is good. good because that is good. That was never on you. That, that, no. that, that was never your fault. You shouldn't have to be that tense. You know what I mean? Not that that happens, but maybe like once or twice in a golfing season, if I'm playing a lot of golf, like I'll walk up there and like accidentally, you know, bump my ball. You know, That's exactly right. And you shouldn't have to like lose sleep over not calling that penalty on yourself. No, it, it, yeah. <laughs> Good job, USGA and RA. <laughs> Number 16, any damage on the green can now be repaired. I'm so glad that they fixed this one. Not that any cat like amateur golfer really adhered to this, but you are allowed to fix. Sorry, I had coffee. I had a burp there. You are allowed, <laughs> you are allowed to fix certain kinds of damage on the green and not other kinds of damage. That was always so asinine to me that. A spike mark is allowed to be fixed, but a ball mark is not. And if it's in your line, it can be fixed. It cannot. If there's garbage on the green, you should be allowed to fix it. Yeah. Joe, I remember one time we were playing a course, uh, I think in Oregon. And um, I don't know, I had like a four or five foot putt that was important. And the hole was just shredded to pieces. I mean, there was like a like a golf ball size like divot like on the cup. And I just <laughs> went over to like fix it. And you're like, what are you doing? That's a penalty. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Right Did now. I actually say that? You did. I don't think a, you were a monster. I, I don't think you were calling it on me. I just think you were like, you should know that's a penalty because clearly I had no idea. Yeah. Well, now it's not. No longer I was, is. I was just a, a pioneer. I was way ahead of my time on fixing that, <laughs> <laughs> fixing that shredded golf hole. Uh, the next two, I don't really know. Well, they don't really apply to us. Seventeen and eighteen. Position in a club for alignment is not permitted. Caddy assisting with alignment is now not permitted. So 18, I guess, is the, th the thing you see on the LPGA Tour quite a bit where the golfer addresses the ball, the caddy goes behind them, makes sure that they're aligned correctly, and then they hit. That's no longer allowed. And uh, number 17, positioning in a club for alignment is not permitted. Um, th these, these have no effect on me. No, none. Here are the big ones, Nick. <laughs> Number 19. Putting with flagstick in hole is now permitted. Wow. Finally. I never thought we'd see this day. <laughs> this is this is unbelievable. Um, first of all, I think it's most beneficial when someone's playing by themselves and they're like 40 feet away and they don't want to walk up to the flag walk back um is this something that you plan to do when playing in a normal foursome like if you have a five footer that's downhill hey guys mm. you want to put that, that that flag stick back in no i i'll never do it i'll never put the flag stick back in to putt i can promise you that right now i can't imagine a situation where i would ever do that but absolutely if the flag stick is not between me and my ball, you better believe I'm not going to go remove it, <laughs> then walk back to my ball, backtrack all that way. No, I'm going to putt with the flag stick in. Um, this is a good one. This is overdue. There's no, I don't know. I, I'm sure Bryson has a different opinion on this, and I think I, I saw some stuff that he's planning on using this to advantage. But previously I had read um, that there was like extensive research done that showed there was like, an equal amount of chance that the flagstick will help you as there is that will that it will hurt you. Um, so I'm just gonna do it when it's convenient and not when it's not. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Bryson's gonna leave the flagstick in, and my first thought was, what you just said, does it actually help? 
is it actually something that's good to leave the flagstick in? I mean, Phil, Phil Mickelson takes the flagstick out from 80 yards. So, <laughs> and, and he's the original scientist with this stuff. So I, I, I don't know that it's actually going to be a benefit. I'd be surprised if we see it more than a novelty from Bryson DeChambeau. He's not going to leave it in when he's putting four footers. It, it, it's no. not going to help in that circumstance. It's, it's only going to help. long ones, it will definitely help. Don't you yeah. think? I think from – if I had a very quick putt down the hill, I might leave it in. Like if I had an, if I had an eight-footer for birdie that was so scary quick – I might leave it in in that circumstance. Would you let me ask you this? If if somebody had already put it and taken it out, and it was an important putt for ninety dollars, w- would you put the flagstick back in for that eight footer? Oh, if it, if it's a ninety dollar putt, I'm putting that thing back in. <laughs> no question. If it's an important putt, I'm going to take advantage of the rules, baby. Me and Bryson, All yes, right, do it. Yeah, and I love it. And that leads us to number twenty, which is also kind of a part of nineteen. This one's going to start some fights, Joe. This is going to start some fights. (laughs) There's a lot of room for interpretation with number 20. Ball wedged against flagstick inside of hole is deemed hold. Uh, All right. I mean, like, I could be wrong, but I'm thinking in my head there's, like, varying degrees of how wedged between the flagstick and the hole, right? Or is, is like, physically speaking, there only one way like with the size of the ball and the size of the hole and the size of the flag stick there's only one way it can be wedged and that's do you know what i mean no nah, man see here's the thing there's always that like awkward moment when a golfer on the pga tour chips in and the ball's kind of wedged and it's in the and the crowd is sort of like looking around like uh did that does that count <laughs> should we applaud does it go in and people don't really know what's going on. There are so many different types of the ball getting wedged between the flagstick and the side of the hole. And you're right. If some crap bro chips in for birdie from the bunker and it's wedged and he's like, yeah, it's in. And his guy's like, no, it didn't go in. And then they're pouring over the rules of golf saying that's wedged. There's so much interpretation in this rule. I'm yeah. very surprised that they wrote it this way. I guess, I guess the question you have to ask yourself is if you say that it's, not in the hole, then where do you play your next shot from? Great point. Yeah. Like, I, not, like I guess if you remove the flagstick and it drops to the bottom, then – but I guess if you remove the flagstick, the ball is going to pop out. Yeah, no, that's – Yeah, it's kind of that move where you, like, shake the flagstick and, like, pull it up and yeah. hope the ball drops in. I guarantee there's going to be some bros who's like, shake it and the ball pops out, and they're like, look, I told you it was never in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think ultimately, um, kind of recapping these rules, the majority of them are a long time coming. Um, a few of them are kind of weird. The flagstick one is very bizarre, but I think that is ultimately to speed up play, being able there, to leave that flagstick in. There's a couple of these that I'll follow now that will change the way I play. Mo- most of them will just change the way I feel about what score i gave myself <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah well i didn't call that I, I i my ball was plugged on seven and i pulled it out and played it anyways like technically that should have been a penalty but i didn't call it on myself you know like stuff like that where i'm like okay now i just don't have to like think twice about whatever my score was yeah and like you know taking a practice swing at a hazard i think that's a good one that that's that's changing unless you're in like an environmentally sensitive area of course but yeah. in that and you're, you're not trying to play to the hazard in that situation anyway i think most of these rules are really good nick good on the rna and usda yeah, huge, huge props to them they're 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 growing the game hashtag <laughs> oh, growing god. the game oh god um do you want to take on the would you rather real quick 
Yeah, Joe, it's been a while since we've had a would you ladder rather, but yeah. while we're talking about, you know, rules and things that affect your your strokes, etc. If you're going to drop a stroke, Joe, would you rather have a penalty slash drop from a ball, like a tee shot or a ball you hit into the water out of bounds, or would you rather do it on the green and three putt? There is nothing worse in golf than a three putt, in my opinion. Mm. I would rather hit one out of bounds <laughs> twice than three putt. Three putting is the absolute worst. Um, nothing takes the wind out of my sails. Um it really slows momentum. It makes me feel like I've given everything away than a three putt. There is no worse feeling than executing two brilliant shots at a par five being some, I did this just the, the, the last round of golf I played. I hit a beautiful drive, a wonderful iron. I was 20 feet for Eagle. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm worse. Going to make a birdie. <laughs> I, you know, you, you obviously know where this is going. The Eagle putt misses. I have three and a half feet for birdie. Don't even sniff the hole. I make, a, <laughs> I make a par. And it feels like you make a double bogey. Like a three-putt par is one of the worst things you can do. I would rather make a 20-footer for bogey than a three-putt par. Because at least if you're making that long putt for bogey, you have some momentum going. You're like, all right, I'm getting things back. Three-putting is the absolute worst thing I can do in golf. Wow, I am the exact opposite. Oh, uh, give me a three putt all day, Joe. <laughs> all day. If you would, if you told me, I would, I was going to play eighteen holes, and I wasn't going to have a single drop, a single penalty stroke, but I was going to have six three putts. Oh, sign me up, Joe. What? Sign me up. Yes. Ah, you've seen. You've seen. Um, <laughs> I've seen it. Dollars. I've seen it. <laughs> Man, if I can just get on that green, because I feel like here's the thing for me. I feel like if I if I hit it out of bounds, or if I hit it in the water, or if I can't find my ball, like that is hard for me to get back. Like I feel like, gosh, I'm not hitting the ball well. Like there's like I don't feel like I can control that. But on the green, if I three putt. That's okay. I feel like no big deal. I feel like I, I'm in control of my putting enough where it's not really going to um, like define my day. But if I if I'm not hitting it straight, I feel like well, it's just gonna might be just a bad month on the golf course for me. <laughs> God, that's so interesting. I I would rather hit the ball terrible and putt like a champ. I I, I guess it's I just mean, a different mindset. I, I want to putt well for sure. I mean, it's not that I'm not not valuing putting, but I just think that like I can control my putting better. So it's not going to affect me as much as like on my, if my swing is, is off, then like, I just feel like I'm totally screwed. God, that's so interesting. Yeah. A three putt is just devastating to me mentally. Um, I just, there's nothing that kills me more. I would, I would rather putt great than hit the ball. Well, every, every single time. Well, hopefully you can hit the ball. Well, or I can hit the ball well. You can puck right. We'll play in a scramble, and uh, <laughs> we won't do what we did last year. Look out, Corner Club Open 2019. You got anything else, Nick, or should we wrap it up here? That's it. That's another episode of At The Turn. I'm glad we uh, got another one in the books. It's been a while. We did it. Um, please look, folks. Christmas is right around the corner. If you're looking for wonderful gifts for the golfer in your life, we have the answer. Just go to vicegolf.com. Use promo code TURN. You're going to get free shipping anywhere in these United States of America. If you're in Australia, put that promo code in anyway. It helps us out. It helps the podcast. Do that. Um, Nick, 
I think we'll come back. I'll tell you what. Let's let's watch the match. We got to watch the match because we got to do a follow-up podcast. It's 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 really the only thing going on between now and the Hawaii swing in January as far as golf is concerned. Um will you do me give me an early Christmas present, watch the match, would you? I'll um No promises, like, huh? Yeah, I'm not gonna I don't want to commit, but I'll like uh I'll soft soft verbal commitment on that one. Yeah. Okay, a soft yeah, I'll try to I'll tell you, you know what, I'll commit to trying to watch the match. That's what you get from this podcast, folks. Nick saying he's going to try to watch the match. <laughs> Bill Nicholson and Tiger Woods. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Nick, thank you to Ashley. I hope the crocheting went very well this afternoon. Um, I have nothing else to say. I'm obviously much more caffeinated now than I was at the start of this podcast. All right, Joe. Enjoy your weekend. You too, buddy. Uh, I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.